All right. <laughs> All right. So we're, we, are, we had started last week a Bible study on church leadership. That in and of itself is a weird title. Um, really what we're looking at is men and women, groups that God calls out to be leaders in the church. As you look at Jesus, he's the epitome of a leader. He is, he's the leader of leaders. And we find that he led by serving. And that's what he's called us to do. Um, we go out and we lead by example, but we lead by serving other people. We, we lead by loving other people, especially those who are unloved, like our enemies or those who are cast aside by, uh, by society or by culture. We're called to love them. That's how we serve. Jesus called a group of 12 men. They would become the disciples. Um, later, they would become the apostles. One of them would uh, commit suicide. His name was Judas. He's the one who betrayed the Lord. Of those 11 men, another one named Matthias in the book of Acts was, uh, replaced Judas. Um, Paul would become an apostle. Um, and this is the first title we're going to look at. First go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And this is the reason why we're looking at apostles. As you're turning there, uh, for funsies today, I went on Facebook and uh, I've noticed these folks before and just decided, like I said, for fun to, to, to look up everyone who has placed the title apostle before their name on Facebook. So for those of you who don't use Facebook, here's what that means. Uh, there's a little search bar up at the top of your screen and you can type in anything you're looking for. Um, for instance, if you were tr trying to look up me, you would type in Tony Paredes and it would give you a list of a few men by that name. And then the last option would be pull up anybody with anything to do with that name. Now, my name is not unique, but it's certainly not like Smith or Johnson or something like that. So you only get a handful. But for every person who had their name or title start off with apostle, I wanted to pull up that and see how many there were. Facebook told me that the count exceeded over a thousand. So it could only show me those thousand or the first thousand. To not skew the statistics or the report, not to embellish, some of these were corporations, businesses. Uh, I think I saw one that was like Apostle uh, Bikes, motorcycles. Um, there was Apostle uh, this and Apostle that. They were few and far between. But for the most part, what I pulled up were men and women who had this title of apostle. Now, Ephesians 4 and 11 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry or of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We call this the five-fold ministry. Some folks will say that the pastor, teacher, shepherd, teacher role is one and the same. They call it the four-fold ministry. I, I find them to be somewhat of the minority. The majority of folks call this the five-fold ministry. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. As I said last week, these are the five titles that most people gravitate towards. Um, nobody wants to be the janitor. Nobody wants to be uh, the greeter. Nobody wants to be the usher. Um, at least not unless it comes with a lot of fanfare, a lot of FaceTime, a lot of attention. These are the ones called out by Jesus in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, and they're the ones that people gravitate towards. There's three ways to look at this. There's no apostles, or let me put it this way. No, there are no apostles. Yes, there are some apostles, or yes and no, we just don't understand apostleship. We're, kinda, we're going to kind of explore those questions tonight and answer those questions. Here's what I find, just to be point blank, that the term or the title apostle is just taken by men and taken by women, slapped on their name, and they perform no apostolic duty and have no apostolic authority whatsoever. That is a gross and very negligent sin to commit, to take a title, to take the power and the perceived authority and abuse it. There are many men and there are many women who are now enslaved to and worship these types of men and women because these men and women have given themselves their, that title. Because one of the tendencies, especially in our culture, is we don't research and look into things. We look at things on the internet and just assume it's legit, it's true. It is, uh, let me give you a really good example today. There was a story on Facebook. Um, Facebook, Twitter, all these social medias, they're a great way to, to just study human nature because that's really all it is. It's human nature amplified. Um, story of a young boy who was attacked by a dog and the house cat saved him. Anybody see that? It was a wonderful you know, video. Um, and I thought to myself, but is this true? Was it doctored in some way? Has someone, is someone looking for attention? And um, you know, as the day progressed, you saw different news and media outlets uh, releasing the video. Uh, NBC was one of them. Uh, local News Channel 9 was another one. Um, I don't know if they're NBC or ABC, but they began uh, reporting. Now, the assumption is they did their homework, but did they? I believe it's the story to be true. Um, the video is pretty self-evident. Um, and really, this dog attacked a four-year-old boy. House cat comes out of nowhere and attacks the dog. The dog runs off as though it was a lion coming after him. It's a really great video. But see, we see those things and we take them at face value. We don't investigate who posted them. We don't investigate uh, the legitimacy of them. There was a story, it's been a couple years now, a uh, young boy uh, adrift in a weather balloon. You guys remember that? And uh, come to find out it was all a big hoax by the parents, this, this father specifically, who just wanted attention, who just wanted to gain some notoriety. 
when a video goes viral, there's great money to be had. I, I don't know how you make money on it uh, through advertising and that sort of thing. But when you have people who will watch your video a million times, 10 million times, 30 million times, uh, there's money to be had. There's honey, money to be made. And so there's people who will try to forge that. And so we just have to be careful. Um, there's a great deal of authority to be had by folks who slap the name apostle on their title or give themselves that title. Um, and they may not give, get everybody, but they get enough people to build a career, to make a name for themselves, and to uh, have a pretty comfortable living. And so that's what we're going to explore tonight. Is there, is there and are there apostles today? Uh, are they the same as the apostles that we read about in the, Old, in the New Testament, rather? And, and what is not an apostle? How can we find out when someone really is an apostle? So what we're going to do and what I'm going to borrow from very heavily is a very easily accessible resource. You can find this online. Um, you can buy the actual paper book version of this. It's called Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. It's one of my favorite tools. It's, it's not a fly-by-night, trendy fad book. It's been around for quite some time. And this book uh, is, is like a Webster's Dictionary, except it gives us the definitions of the Greek words found in the New Testament. So what does apostle mean? That's going to be our first question. Apostle simply means one who is sent forth, someone who is sent out. Someone has told somebody else, go. And that person has gone. They become an apostle. Or they work in an apostolic gift. Who is always, easy question, who is always the best example for everything always, except for sin in the Bible? Jesus. Jesus. The sin thing should have gave it away. Jesus is always our example when it comes to everything except for sinning because he did not sin. He was without sin. Hebrews chapter three, verse one says this. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly, heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Here's the big idea about the book of Hebrews, just as a side note. The writer of the book of Hebrews, whom we assume is Paul, but we don't really know who wrote it, held up things like uh, the angels, uh, sacrifice, Moses, the priesthood, being an apostle, and said, Jesus is the best that. So when it comes to the priesthood, Jesus is the high priest. He's better than the law. He's better than the angels. Or he, he's a better law and better angels. He's, he's more than you go throughout the whole, I think it's 16 chapters or 13 chapters of the book of Hebrews, continuously. The writer knew that the listening audience was primarily Hebrew, so he, he, he brought out uh, Old Testament references and saying, you see this? This points to Jesus, and Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than sacrifice. And here he's held up as, as the apostle, the epitome of what it means to be an apostle. So let's look at Jesus. Jesus starts off in heaven with his father. The father sends him to this earth. 
to live as a man. It's where humanity and divinity come together. He is the God man, every bit God, every bit man. Comes together. He dies for the sins of sinful men. Dies a horrible death on a cross. Is buried. He's resurrected three days later. He ascends to be with the Lord then the Holy Spirit is sent forth to us. That, we call that the day of Pentecost, and that's something that is still a thing today. Jesus was sent forth. He had that authority. He had that title. Consequently, this is the only reference to Jesus being an apostle. It's not so much that he was an apostle. He's the epitome of what it means to be an apostle or to do apostolic work. John 17 and three says, and this is eternal life that they know you, uh, excuse me, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Very plainly, an apostle is one who sent forth. How is the title first used with men? Because we all know that Jesus is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. But how is that used of men? Galatians, which we happen to be going through, is the considered, along with James, probably the first book of the New Testament written. The first one penned, penned before the Gospels, penned before things like the book of Revelation. Um, the first letter written probably was Galatians, competing with James somewhere around the same time. Paul, Paul announces himself as an apostle, that was my phone, sorry. He announces himself. He says, verse one, chapter one, Paul, an apostle, not from man, or not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul points out that his apostolic authority is not something he just chose. It was something that the Lord bestowed upon him. You read Acts chapter eight and nine. You read about the story of him meeting Jesus. He's not like other men, meaning he's been given an authority unlike other men. Paul has gone to Galatia, started that church. He was sent out to preach amongst the Gentiles. That's, that's his apostolic mission. Now he's, gone, now, now he's getting word of the gospel being watered down and tainted and changed in Galatia, and he's got to write back to them. He reminds them of his position. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul makes the same similar warning that beware of false gospels, beware of false prophets, beware of false apostles who are coming to overtake you. Because there are, some people would call them well-meaning, I would just call them naive, and I don't use that term endearingly. They're naive and someone shows up and says they're an apostle and they just say, okay, Everything you say must be true because you're an apostle and you just don't abuse that title. Here's the secret. There are men who abuse that title. And so just because someone says, I'm an apostle, doesn't mean that they are indeed an apostle. Maybe they've chosen to be an apostle. Maybe they're attracted to the position or the name or the title or the influence, but that doesn't make them an apostle any more than standing in your garage makes you a car. You're an apostle when God has called you to be one. Here's what we know about the early, the early apostles, the apostles we find in, in the, the New Testament. The type of authority they have no longer exists, at least not in the men that we know. No man alive today has the ability to write scripture as these men did. 
Now, this was not something exclusive to the apostles. Luke is not mentioned as being an apostle, yet he wrote the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts. It amounts to be a very large chunk and portion of the New Testament. So it wasn't something exclusive to the apostles, but the apostles primarily were the ones used to write scripture that God used to pen these letters, to pen the gospel accounts. God used them first and foremost. That has gone. We no longer have men who write books of the Bible. We consider the canon of the Bible, that's to use kind of the, the, the nerdy you know, theologian term, the canon of the Bible is closed. We will no longer add to it, nor will we take away from it. That's not our decision or man's decision. This is just the letters that men wrote that we can verify by backing up with Old Testament and foreshadowing of Jesus and the New Testament, all that working together, we see the hand of God working through them. Two terms you have to be familiar with when speaking about apostles, cessationists and continuous. I don't like to, I want us to be Christians. I don't want us to be this type of Christian, that type of Christian, Pentecostal or, or charismatic or reformed or this or that, because that tends to put us on a team rather than unite us. It, it does more to divide than unite us. Now, truthfully, we're going to be different. Uh, my family's visiting me and my sister. We are different. We have our similarities. We're related by, by blood and by, by love, but we have our differences. And if you have siblings, you guys are probably the same. Um, it's better for us to remember that we are united than to constantly look for why we're different. Um, that's how va- family works best. That's how church works best. Um, but there are two groups that you find, and if you're familiar with them, maybe you can avoid becoming staunch in either side because both sides have good points, as most do when it comes to secondary issues. A cessationist is someone who believes primarily, boiling it down, making it easy to digest, someone who believes that things like prophecy, speaking in tongues, that sort of thing, has ceased. Cease, cessation, kind of where that comes from. Um, Then you have continuists who believe that, yes, that has continued. Continuist, continuing, very simple. Um, Personally, uh, without being labeled one or the other, I believe what the Bible says. I believe that there are still men today, still women today, who are blessed with uh, the gift of miracles, the gift of healing the sick, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift to prophesy, and the gift of apostleship, although I don't believe that there are still apostles like the, like the New Testament men that we find. I believe that there are men, men who go off in the apostolic gift. That's what we see also in the New Testament. We see men who are not apostles per se, but they are considered ones sent forth and approved of by the apostles. So maybe not apostles themselves, but they go off in the apostolic gift. They go off uh, and do the work of an apostle. I look at it like this. Um, We have our church, the Little C Church, 
which is, belong, belongs to the big C church, the worldwide church, the capital C church. There are capital A apostles. We find them in the New Testament. And then there are the lowercase apostles. They're the ones working in that gift that Paul is referring to in the book of Ephesians chapter four. So in the New Testament, there are men like Barnabas. Barnabas was a companion of Paul who went off and did apostolic work. Uh, another man named Epaphroditus, Another man named Silas, Timothy. These were men who worked in the apostolic gift and did the work of an apostle while not being the official apostle that Jesus chose that spent time walking with Jesus as Peter says was a mandate of being an actual apostle. In Acts chapter 17 or, or seven, one of the two, probably both of those are wrong. Um, but if you look it up, you'll find it. Some say that apostles are done completely and they generally base that on an experience. Some say that apostles still exist and they base that on an experience. Here's the problem. We should never base anything on an experience. An experience should flow out of the truth of the gospel first. If the gospel says one thing, and we have an experience contrary to what the Bible says, we have to defer back to the gospel. We have to defer back to the Bible. Here's what we know, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light, the Bible says. He tries to look like Christians. When he sends in false teachers, he sends in false teachers that don't come in with something completely crazy, maybe not at first, it sounds Christian. It looks Christian. It has the appearance of Christ, but in actuality, it's false. And it finds its, it, it burrows its way in there. That teaching burrows its way in. And the next thing you know, you have apostasy, you have blasphemy, you have bad doctrine, and people led astray. So we can't base, we can't say, well, this man did a great apostolic work. He must be an apostle. Truthfully, truthfully, you can look at men who are entrepreneurs and say they're doing apostolic work. Men who, who start in their college dorm room with a website and, and you know, 10 months later, they own half the world because, because everybody's part of their social media or whatever. Men who create inventions or startup businesses and they just take off. That's, that's being sent forth. That's apostolic work. Um, but they're not apostolic in the name of Jesus. They're not necessarily doing Jesus's work. They could be called apostles that are just using that gift for something else. Um, there are certainly Christians who have that gift and use it for Jesus. There are some that don't. So are apostles done? I would say that no, there are still men, there are still women, there are still groups who go out and do apostolic work. In the same way that men like Barnabas and Silas and Timothy went out and did apostolic work, there are still men who do that today. There are still women who do that today. So who are they? I don't have, and I think that it's, it's not the best practice to create a laundry list of who is and who is not. Um, I would rather you be able to know by their fruits whether they are or whether they're not. If someone claims to be an apostle, that's usually my first red flag. You go on Facebook, that's their first name. Whoop. The potential for this person to be a crazy just shot up significantly. 
because they want everybody to know right away their title. That scares me. It doesn't scare me, make me afraid. It just, it's a warning. Warning. This guy, this gal might be crazy. Under the umbrella of the Great Commission that we find at the end of Matthew and at the end of Mark, Jesus tells us to go out to all the nations to preach the gospel, make disciples. Everyone is given that charge who is a Christian. So in a sense, we all go out as, we all go out in, in that apostolic work. Some of you are gonna go to work. You are sent forth to your job to preach the gospel. You dads, me too, we go out and we preach the gospel to our family. We tell them about Jesus. Moms, you do the same. Ladies, men, children go to school. They do the same thing. All of us in some forth have been sent forth to preach the gospel and we carry that apostolic mission. But there are some who have it. It's a gift. While we all will go and do it, there are some men that are called and are gifted to do it. Let me liken it to something like the gift of encouragement. Do only the people with the gift of encouragement encourage? No, that's ridiculous. We all encourage, don't we? Some of us are better than others, and some have that gift when you hang around them. They just encourage you. Your whole world could be falling apart. They show up, say four words, and you're on cloud nine again. You're remembering that, you know what? Jesus is on the throne, and things are bad, but they're going to get better. Wow, thank you. Thank you for coming around and, and encouraging me like that. It'd be wrong of us to say only the encourager should do that. The rest of us, we might have the gift of discouragement. We got to crucify that and we have to encourage, even if it's not our gift. Some have uh, the gift of healing um, or the gift of miracles. Does that mean God will only use them exclusively? No. Does that mean God will always heal everybody that they pray for? No. There are some who have the gift of healing or the gift of miracles. They're different. They're, they're separate in the, in the New Testament, which I always find funny because I think healing is a miracle, but whatever. There are times they'll pray and, and there are reasons why those people aren't healed. It's not the right time. It's for a later time. I, I don't know. I don't know the reasons. I'm speculating when it comes to the reason. It'd be wrong to say, well, I don't have the gift of healing, so I'm not going to pray for you. That would just be wrong. I'm not called to be an apostle. Yes, but you are called to do apostolic work. You might not have the authority of the, the, the 12 apostles we find, of men like Paul and John and Peter and James, but you are being sent forth. Here's the danger with any title in the Bible, and we'll go through five of them as we go through this Bible study, any title will be abused. Every title. If janitor was in there, if God called apostles, evangelists, prophets, shepherds, and teachers, and janitors, sure enough, there'd be men who would line up who would want to be a janitor and never lift a finger to clean. They never do any janitorial work, but they would love having the title of being a janitor. That's what we find with all five positions. You go through the books of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, you have elders and deacons, and they're abused. It's, now, here's the wrong way to do this. Here's the wrong way to approach this. 
Someone has abused the name of apostle, so there are no apostles. That's people who base their approach to apostleship in the Bible based on experience. That person abused that title. It must not be true. Church, just because things are abused doesn't mean we neglect them. People abuse the Bible all the time. It doesn't mean we reject it. People abuse the position of authority that is found in a pastor, but that doesn't mean that, that the calling of all pastors is wrong or unbiblical or, or just unrighteous or, or, or exploited. There are some that do that. And the danger is not just the people who will abuse it. It's those who will discard it because it has been abused. We see the same thing happening with speaking in tongues. I was at a church and every, everything that everybody did about speaking in tongues was anti-biblical. Thus, speaking in tongues is wrong and no longer exists. No, it just means people didn't know what the Bible said about it. It's not that the Bible was wrong. It's not even that you're wrong. It's that they were wrong. And it's wrong of you to say it's not in the Bible or the Bible preaches against it because you didn't like your experience. It means go back to the word. Go back to what the word says. The Bible says God gave the apostles. He gave the prophets. He gave the, uh, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. All these positions are needed. And ultimately, they're supposed to be a gift. Go back to verse 11. And he gave. God's a good God who gives to his people individually and collectively. Apostles and preachers and all of them, they're supposed to be a gift. When you take a po- any one of these five titles out of context, you lose the true purpose and value of that title or of that position. Let's go back to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Verse 12. For what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Here's the truth. There are crafty, wise, deceitful people who are infiltrating the church. Some do it without even knowing that they're doing it. They believe what they are preaching, in fact, to be true um, because they have not read their word. They have not read the Bible. They have not dedicated themselves to being students of the word. But others do it willingly. They have, find a, they have found a way to make great financial gain at doing so. They love the power and prominence that comes by being the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the apostle. But why are those positions given? To equip the saints to do the work. So that together, verse 13 says, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. When all of the offices are working and they're doing the work they're supposed to do and the people are receiving and and, and experiencing the great gift that God has given them through the, the fivefold ministry, They come together and they grow up just like a child growing up as he receives all that he needs or she needs to grow up to maturity. The church grows up to maturity 
And maturity levels is, is measured in how much we know Jesus. Not in how many things we know about Jesus, but in our relationship with him, our devotion to him, and whether or not we're found in him. So tonight, apostles are gifts to the church. Not everyone who says they're an apostle is an apostle. Ducks look like ducks, right? If you saw, if somebody told you that's a duck and it had fur, you'd say, no, ducks don't have fur. No, it's a duck, I swear. And you say, well, that duck has paws. Ducks don't have paws. They have feet, flipper feet. That dog has, dog, just gave away my analogy. Basically, they point to a dog and say, that's a duck. You'd say, no, that's a dog. Look at him. He's doing dog things. He, he, he's not a duck at all. He doesn't lay eggs. He doesn't have a bill. He's not a duck. An apostle is one who is sent forth. He will do, she will do the work of an apostle. You will know them by their fruits. If they're not doing apostolic work, maybe God's not behind them and not in front of them, leading them in that. I'm not saying discredit everybody. I'm just saying don't approve everybody. And the best thing we can do is have a healthy dose of skepticism when it comes to anybody who claims a title. If I claim to be a pastor and I show up and there's nobody here, and I'm not shepherding anybody, my claims of being a shepherd or a pastor are erroneous. They're, they're false. I can call myself a pastor all day, but if I have no congregation, I have no flock, not really a shepherd. Same thing with apostles. And just as a spoiler alert, that comes with every position we find in the Bible. If someone claims to be this or claims to be that, let me see it. Let me see it. Show me through your actions how you are an apostle unlike any other person. And we'll go from there. Even then, I'm going to go back to the word of God before I ever agree that you are or not an apostle. So ask yourself, who do you follow? Who do you listen to? We live in a day and an age where you can access the works of almost any person at the click of a mouse or at the, you know, the navigation of your, of your own phone. You can look up anybody's work. I was down in Florida. Somebody said, hey, you ever heard of this minister? No, no, never have. Oh, you should look at him up. You'd love him. In a matter of minutes, I found sermons and stuff he's written and interviews and knew all about him. You know, one of the, one of the goals I've had is, is being able to put sermons online. People listen to him. People start asking questions. Someday somebody's going to listen to my really bad sermons and want to say things like, how did you believe that or think that? And I was, it's there for you to research and to hear and yes, ask questions. I'm okay with that. I don't think I'm saying anything that I shouldn't say. Um, but that being said, research the people that you listen to and give, and give authority to. When you sit underneath somebody, you are giving them a great deal of, of, of persuasion in your life. 
a lot of authority in your life. Make sure the people who have that, that attention of yours is leading you in the right way. Because they might not be. They might. They might not be. You just got to make sure. That's up to you. If you're following a sheep with bloody fangs who goes around devouring, you're not following a shepherd or a sheep. You're following a wolf, and that's not good. We are known by our fruits. Men of position are known by their fruits as well. So we're going to close with prayer. The whole purpose behind this is to see that Jesus is our great leader. Even when leaders get it all right, they're crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's, they're still not Jesus. Jesus is the leader. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus is the one who has done all so that we may be saved. And so whether it's, it's a man who claims to be an apostle or a man who's doing apostolic work, that should point back to Jesus. Always, always. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. And thank you for apostles, for those who do apostolic work, Lord. The, the very sermon Bible study that we are preaching and hearing tonight is built upon the backs of the men that you appointed to be apostles some 2,000 years ago. That we read the very words you inspired them to write. We thank you for the gifts of those who have been sent forth. We thank you today that there were missionaries who left their home countries and came to this country, Lord, and established the gospel in this place. We praise you that, that the church in this country has grown to a point where it can send missionaries. It can send, send out folks to other countries where they've just been blind to the gospel. That the Bible can be translated into almost any language and it can be sent forth to groups all across this planet. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of the apostles. Father, I pray for those who have wrongly and arrogantly taken the title of apostle. I'm going to be honest, Lord, only at the end of the day do you know whom you've called. You have given us enough evidence biblically to be able to, to root out who is and who is not. Help us to be diligent. To be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17 who listened to Paul and then went back to the word of God to verify what Paul had said. I got to be honest, Lord, if Paul showed up here today and said he wanted to preach, I would sit and listen intently and not question anything he said. But the Bereans were not like that and they were called honorable and I thank you for that, Lord. We want to be honorable in that same way. That when I speak here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, that your people would be diligent and go and take notes and go back to the word of God and verify what I am preaching or teaching on any given day or any given moment. Father, I pray that you would help me do my best as I teach and as I preach, that I wouldn't bring opinion or speculation, that I wouldn't bring just what is trendy or what's a fad, Lord, but I would bring the, the, the bare, uh, raw, essential gospel that is found in your word. Whether it's in the book of Genesis or the book of Revelation, the whole thing, Lord, points to your son, Jesus. He is the great hero of our faith. He is the great apostle. He is the great high priest. He is the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we thank you for him. Tonight, Lord, be blessed. Know that we love you. And, and for our imperfections, Lord, please forgive us.
And I know personally, Lord, I've given my ear and attention to those who were looking to deceive me. And I, and I know that I should not have. And I repent of that, Lord. And I ask that you would lead me and give me that discernment I need to, to, always, to always be loving and kind, but to question. And I pray that for your people as well that your son may be glorified, that we may grow in the fullness of your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.